You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcast. Just subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. And the big one, Kentucky and Auburn. Uh, Kentucky wins the SEC championship outright. That's it. If Kentucky beats Auburn, if not, then Kentucky can still get... A share of the title, but uh, Auburn would have two wins, obviously, over Kentucky. Uh, You know the history. I mean, Kentucky and Auburn last season, Kentucky beat them in every game except the one that counted the most to go to the Final Four, and then Kentucky goes down to Auburn uh, with, you know, revenge on the mind, you would think, and a chance for, you know, Ashton Hagens to kind of redeem himself the way he had played in the Elite Eight game. Uh, Instead, he, he had a tough go. And Auburn won the game, even though Kentucky was right there, had the lead with, uh, what, about four minutes to go. In in that game, um, you know, Ashton Hagens, he had a streak going into that game of 17 consecutive games with at least five assists, which was the longest since Tyler Eulis had 24 straight games of five assists or more. And instead, Hagens had three assists, six turnovers, and it's it's been like that since. Like he's really only had a like one or two nice games since where he hasn't struggled uh, turning the ball over. Uh, he's just gone through a little bit uh, of a slump, the same way he went through a slump around this time last season, and it didn't correct itself uh, in the tournament. And now that's what the you know all the fans are so concerned about is well we saw this last year. Yeah. Is he's going to be able to, you know, turn this around this season? And we, we got a little play on Twitter for our uh, suggestion to, to uh, sit him out and let him rest. Should Kentucky win the game against Auburn? But we both know that's uh, highly unrealistic thinking. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. I've got a piece up uh, should be up as people listen on Friday uh, at the Athletic. Um, diving into the numbers, but also into the human side of this story. Because I think the one thing to keep in mind before I proceed much further on crunching the concerning numbers is Ashton Higgins plays a million miles an hour as hard as he can, you know, 35 to 40 minutes every game for Kentucky. And he's kind of the guts of this team. Uh, He's by far the best defender on the team and and the guy who's charged with doing that night in and night out, and it wears you down. He's played injured all year. He's had an ankle, a back, a shoulder, and a thigh contusion now. Um, and so um, for this piece, <clears throat> excuse me, for this piece, in, in addition to crunching those numbers, I talked to his former high school coach, I'm sorry, former AAU coach, and his dad. And to the point about rest, I thought it was really interesting. Um, this is uh, from his dad. He said he's been beat up all season, but nobody takes that into consideration. Called him a warrior. Said, you know, no matter what, he just keeps playing. Uh, said he's not going to take himself out. Um, he said, I wish they'd rest him for a game or two, but he doesn't want to sit out ever. And if you leave it up to him, he's not coming out. Um, that was Ashton's dad. And yeah. then his his AAU coach um, said, 
he never wants to sit, going back to the eighth grade, and it's a gift and a curse. So sometimes I think Cal is going to have to be the one to step in and limit his minutes because Ashton is just not going to do it. Um, well, Calipari said, you know, I asked Ashton, can you go? And he said, yeah. Yeah, I want to go. Yeah, Even though if he gets hit in a certain spot, it could put him out for, you know, four games, yeah. three games, four games. Yeah, and he said he said before that he's trying to get Ashton to sub himself out. Well, that's not going to happen. So you know, that's what make, coaches are for. Assign assign an assistant or a grad assistant to be uh, Ashton Hagen's sit down and take a breather uh, guy. But so I do want people to you know keep that in mind, and I and I want to keep it in mind after talking to Ashton Hagen's dad and, and talking to him about how fans have been pretty rough on Ashton. And I would say I've been pretty rough on Ashton, and, and he and I talked about that. And he said something that I thought was interesting. Um, you know, he's like, you can write something really negative about Ashton, and he has to stand there the next day if, you know, they bring him to the interviews and talk to you with a smile on his face and not be like, you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and he does that every time. And he's like, I tell him I really respect him for that. And um, you know, it, may, it does. It makes you think about. You know, I think we, all of us, kind of rattle off our opinions in real time on Twitter, and um, we write about these guys like they're NBA guys already, and they're not. They're you know, Ashton's a college sophomore. You know, not far removed from being a teenager. Um, so anyway, I you know, there's a human element, but there's also, and I told Marvin this, Ashton's dad. There's also the fact, the facts. Uh, and those are these. <laughs> I, I spent some time on Synergy um, in the crazy database we've talked about before and plugged in some parameters and found a pretty alarming couple of stats. And well, these before are, you get to those, before okay. you do get to those, I would say uh, just to, to you know remark on, on what you're talking about with the human element of it. And, and what Ashton has to hear and then how he has to respond. Because at Kentucky, they're trained to understand that every time they get in front of a microphone, that is their brand. They're crafting their image that yeah. will carry on and go forward. That's actual training that they receive there. So they understand what's going on and what's, you know, what's happening so that they don't respond the, the wrong way. Uh, you take like E.J. Montgomery and all the crap that he's had to hear. Uh, even Nick Richards for the first two years and the stuff he's had to hear. So, I mean, at the same time, they're also told you've got to block this stuff out. But I'm sure there are plenty of times that those kids... There's no way you can block it out. Yeah, they hear that stuff. It seeps through. And, I mean, and when you wrote on Nick Richards, the stuff that he heard yeah. uh, and how it actually did affect him. And yeah, then I mean, his girlfriend talking about just how he just sadly look over and show her his phone and say, like, can you believe these people are saying this to me? Right like to him, not even just about him. You know, he knew better than to search his name. This was people that were tagging him on Twitter, like "You're the worst player ever." Um, it's, so fans don't connect with that. Fans don't connect to the human element. It's you know, how are you playing? If you're playing well, we love you. If you're playing like crap, then what's wrong with you? And I would and say, I would say, I actually think most fans do connect to it. Um, the human side of it. I, I do. I think it's. I think it's every, and it's not just Kentucky. It is not just Kentucky fans. Well, no. Um, it's just sports fans, like people who are really passionate about any team anywhere. Yeah. Uh, will attack, you know, when they're on the lunatic fridge, and I think 
uh, you know, Kentucky has a lunatic fringe uh, that will. Well, you remember the you Harrison know, twins, death, death threat officials, and everything else. But I don't think it's the majority. I really don't. But do you remember when Calipari said the Harrison twins, like if it's raining outside, it's their fault? Like yeah. he addressed it publicly how much crap they were taking. I'll say the only player that I can remember under Calipari uh, who didn't stand for something negative being written about him and then coming up there and putting a smile on was DeMarcus Cousins. I'm you, shocked. I'm shocked that yeah. it was DeMarcus Cousins. <laughs> if, you, if he didn't like something, he'd let you know right away. And that, that stands today. It's still yeah. how he does. Okay, like so to get back to uh, your uh, your data, we will get to that on the other side of this break on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. You are Locked On Kentucky. Your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. All right, we're back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. And yes, we were talking about Ashton Hagens and uh, just the the side of it where you could see some empathy, where he does give his heart. He does give everything he's got. He doesn't want to come out of the game. He wants to give his all. Uh, and that he has to put up with a lot of um, negative stuff being thrown his way. And uh, you, Kyle, talk to his dad, talk to his former AAU coach. And and they see it, um, you know, as, as being defending Ashton uh, and saying, what would Kentucky be without him, by yeah. the way? Yeah, and there, you know, before I go into the negative, I'll, I will, I'll throw a couple of the positives out. And, and our guy, Hoops Insight, Insights, helped uh, me with part of this. I mean, for all his warts offensively, and he's been just, he's not been very good offensively in the last 10 games. There's still, there's no better option to run the offense. They're worse they're they're worse off without Ashton Hagens, even offensively, and they're yeah. they're much much worse defensively without him. Um, but in the offense, um, when the big four together—that's Hagens, Quickly, Maxie, and Richards—they average one point two points per possession. But when he's out, when Hagens is out, it goes down to one point one points per possession, mm-hmm. uh, which doesn't seem like a lot, but that's a that's a dip. They shoot 44% from three when Ashton's in and 26% when he's out because he's getting, and he's not a good shooter, he's getting other people good shots. Um, when Emmanuel quickly plays with Ashton Hagens, he shoots 48% from three. And without Ashton Hagens, he shoots 20%. <laughs> yeah. That's not necessarily, I mean, you could, maybe that's, you know, well, the time on the court, anom- anomalies and all that, but, but also, you're just not getting as good a shot without a pure point guard out there. And and neither Tyrese Maxey nor Emmanuel Quickly are pure, you know, college point guards. Uh, they're better off the ball, and they are be- they get better shots when he's right. out there. Um, they'd get more of those shots if he didn't turn it over the handful of times he's turning it over or, you know, if he didn't every now and then take a shot he shouldn't take. But one thing Hagen doesn't do is really ball hog. You know, he, he is a pass-first point guard. He does, by the way, lead the league in assists. Yes. Um, in conference play, he still leads the SEC in assists over Kyra Lewis Jr. of Alabama. Yeah. He, and he, Ky, Hagen's has 87, Kyra Lewis has 83. And he's still top five in assist-to-turnover ratio at 1.5. Yeah. And... He today was named one of the 10 semifinalists for the (laughs) Naismith National Defensive Player of the Year. So now let's talk about why he sucks. So, yeah, no. (laughs) So now, but, but this is, this is the reason, you know, I tweeted about having talked to people, you know, working on this last night, I tweeted, uh, you know, working on this story, but, and I'm reminded and talking to people close to him, like to be kind, like he takes a lot of crap, but, 
Uh, and a, a few people were like, well, just don't write this story then. Leave him alone. I'm like, well, you know, I'm not going to that extreme. Right. Uh, because you here, here is why you cannot ignore the turnovers. Because, according to Synergy, there are 384 Division I players with at least 350 offensive possessions logged uh, in Synergy's database this season. So 384 players who are in the neighborhood of the, the kind of uh, having the ball in their hands as much as Ashton Haggins. Right. Out of those 384, he ranks 382nd in turnover percentage. That's not good. 25.2% turnover percentage. And that's not the bad stat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is. But the, the, stat, the reason this cannot be ignored uh, is because I went looking at all the final four point guards, and if it wasn't if there wasn't a true point guard, I went, you know, the dominant assist player, right? Um, and not a single starting point guard has made the final four over the last five years. So that's twenty point guards with more than a seventeen percent turnover rate. And Higgins yeah. is is currently at twenty five point two, um, like almost fifty percent more than any any Final Four point guard over the last five years. The most turnovers per game by a Final Four point guard in the last five years was two point nine by Cassius Winston last year, and Higgins right now is up to three and a half turnovers per game for the season. He would yeah he would be an exception. A huge he, exception. He would be now. None of them. I don't think any of those guys were as good a defender as Ashton Higgins. So that you know, you you throw that into the mix. But it's a problem, um, and, and it's really just become a, a a real concern in these last ten games. Ashton Higgins started the year playing like an All American, like absolutely yeah. well enough that Calipari was saying he's the best point guard in America, right? Um, but over the last 10, he's aver- his assists are down almost two per game. His turnovers up almost one per game. 5.1 assists, four point, excuse me, 4.1 turnovers per game in the last 10. And he's only shot 39% from the field. So, um, you know, he's and, – and his uh, high school coach who I spoke to – I keep saying high school, AAU coach, Chris Williams – he called him before the Texas A&M game because of the turnovers. He said, like, I knew we needed to talk. Um, and he said, his dad has always told me that as long as you praise him when he's good, then you can get on his butt when he's doing bad. Yeah. Uh, and he said, so we had a heart-to-heart. And he knows he needs to tighten up. He, he said he absolutely knows. Um, and so, you know, the other thing that we talked about the Texas A&M game, one thing I would note, I do think he was a lot closer to uh, early season Ashton for most of that game than he was than he's been lately. Because um, he had five turnovers, but three of them were offensive fouls. Um, they weren't, you know, you could say he was out of control on those, but they weren't driving to a tangle of people and throw the ball away. He also yeah. had seven assists, which was a uptick from what he had been doing. And in those first, the first seven minutes of the game, which is like, you know, that's when you would expect if, if a guy's trying to refocus that it would show. And it did. For the first seven minutes, he had four points, three assists, two rebounds, a steal. He put a dude on a poster with a ridiculous dunk and no turnovers for the first seven minutes of that game. 
Uh, and the other thing I would note is then at the end when you know Texas A&M tried to do what every team that plays Kentucky does and make a little flurry, he made his four straight free throws in the last minute of the game. So, yeah. you know, it's a mi- it is a mixed bag with Ashton Hagens. I I don't think they would trade him for many guys. I, I think the overall the totality of what he brings to the table is huge for Kentucky. I certainly know they would be like if Ashton Hagens had a season-ending injury tomorrow, there would be no chance Kentucky could go to the Final Four. Yeah. None. Yeah. Um, I, I absolutely believe that. They may not be able to get there with him if he's turning the ball over the way he has been turning it over, but they have no shot to get there without him. And so it, it, he's an interesting case. I, I just, But I don't think we – I don't because it matters, because like historically it matters that you don't turn it over this much if you want to make a Final Four, and certainly if you want to win a national title. The other thing is like Nat, I didn't even put this in the story, but like the actual national champion point guards were way lower. Yeah. Uh, let me pull them up right here. I've got them on my little sheet. So last year, the point guard for Virginia, Ty Jerome, twelve percent turnover rate. That's less than half of Hagen's. 1.6 yeah. per game. 2018 Villanova point guard Jalen Brunson, 10.6% turnover rate. Not even half, like a third. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1.8 turnovers a game. Again, Hagen's 25% and 3.5 per game. 2017, Joel Berry at North Carolina, 12.4%. So half. Less than half, 1.9 turnovers per game. And in 2016, Villanova, Ryan Archie Diacono, 12, <laughs> 12.1% and one and a half turnovers per game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the national championship it. point guards do not turn it over a bunch. They just don't. Yeah. So um, I, I think Hagens can play better. I mean, he has played better. He's had like these incredible stretches. Um, yeah, and I mean, I think, in conference play, he's had, I mean, against Georgia, that, that first game, he was sharp uh, against Alabama. Um, even within Arkansas. the slump, I mean, I say, I say a 10-game slump, but even within the slump, he almost had a triple-double with one turnover. It yeah. was against a bad Vanderbilt team, but it but it happened. Here, he played well not, against Mississippi State. Yeah, you know? not that long ago, it happened. So, I think you, you have to take that into account. I mean, Vanderbilt was what, two and a half weeks ago, and he had 11 points, 10 rebounds, eight assists, yeah. one turnover. Um, so it's in there. I think it's in there. And I, I think he's now, like, really well aware of it. Uh, I don't know how he couldn't be. Everybody's talking about it all the time. So I think the fact that he is taking some care to pay attention. And finally, I think, too, in the last week, the fact that Calipari, who's defended him to the hilt, and I think maybe I understand better why now, you know, mm-hmm. and hearing some of the stuff from his dad about, you know, how hard it's been on him, about how much he's gone through. I don't think any of us fully understood how much his body was broken down over the course of the season. Um, but the fact that Calipari and then Kenny Payne both finally kind of said, look, he, this can't continue. Like, it's got to right. get fixed. I think with that kind of focus on it, I would be, I would think it will get better. Yeah. But it has to. All right, we'll take another break. When we come back, we will talk about the, you know, another one of Kentucky's uh, starting five that did not play so well uh, the last time against Auburn, and we'll do that when we return on the Lockdown Kentucky Podcast. 
This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. We're back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast, and uh, we spent the first two segments talking about Ashton Haggins. Uh, so now we talk about Nick Richards. Uh, Nick Richards in that game against Auburn, he played thir- almost 38 minutes. He went three of eight shooting the ball, one of two at the free throw line. So he just got there uh, one time. Seven rebounds. You know, that's not too bad. Eight. Four fouls, so he didn't foul out, but seven points. His counterpart, Austin Wiley, played 18 minutes, almost uh, less than half of the time that Nick Richards was on the floor. Wiley went four of six shooting, four of five from the floor, or from a free throw line. He had 10 rebounds. He had 12 points. He outplayed Nick. It was a matchup there. Bruce Pearl said afterward, I wanted to take away Ashton and Nick. And, and they sure did. did. Yeah. <laughs> they sure did. That's what happened. Um, and so I, I wonder if Nick Richards will take this uh, as a challenge, uh, you know, a personal challenge that he's facing a guy in Austin Wiley. And Austin I mean, the Wiley, setup, by the way, the, the setup's has been a double double machine. I mean, Austin Wiley's been playing great for Auburn all season. Yes, and he, I mean, he should. He was an elite recruit who had a great start to his career. He went out to the Team USA camp with Cal and made that team. And, I mean, Cal Perry was blown away by him. Thought he was a freak. Then he got, uh, I mean, he was dominating dudes. I was out there in Colorado for three days watching them practice with Team USA and playing against some of the best high school and college players in the country. He was just manhandling people. Um and then you know he, he had the NCA issues and missed the season. He had injury issues, and he's just it took him a while to get back. But there's no reason Austin Wiley that being that big and strong and now that mature is he a junior or senior? I think he's a junior. Um, I thought he was a senior, or maybe he's a senior. Uh, but th- that he wouldn't be this good, and so it is a challenge for Nick. And I think I think the timing couldn't be better, um, right? In terms of trying to motivate Nick, because it's like okay. You stunk last time you played him, uh, and not stunk, but you know you didn't have a didn't big game, and he and he potential. did have a big game, and now Nick's coming off the rare bad game for him. Um, was that back to back games? Uh, two games where he's totaled thirteen points and twelve rebounds uh, against Florida and Texas A and M. Yeah, I mean he's it's it's coincided with. Uh, Emmanuel quickly scoring fifty six right, was yeah. fifty six points, and pat so therefore passing him in the player of the year race. Um, so Nick, you know, Nick has faded a little bit, but again, you know, four point six rebounds, two blocks in twenty five minutes or whatever it was, <clears throat> and only a one field goal attempt. That's the thing; it wasn't like he went out and missed a bunch right. of shots. Uh, yeah. He just didn't get a lot of action. Uh, in part because of those fouls, he ended up with four. Um, I, I'm not too worried about Nick based on these last couple games. I think he put together a big enough body of work consistently where I don't think he's like his breakthrough was fool's gold or anything like that. But this is a this is a big opportunity for him now to say like to stand up again and say uh, kind of like he did after Vegas. Yeah, you know, a couple games back to back that weren't good, and they come home, they play this huge matchup with Louisville and their big, strong front court, and you think Nick could get manhandled here, and he comes right. right out of the gate just like flexing and dunking and and one, and 
you know, getting everybody in Louisville's team in foul trouble and then taking two charges while he's playing with four fouls at the end of the game. And um, that, you know, that was the big kind of, whoa, he really broke, he really has broken through moment. And this yeah. kind of feels like that, right? Like he had a couple bad games back to back. They're coming off the road, um, coming back home in a huge game. You know, this will be the second, I would say this is the second biggest home game of the season behind. Louisville, and I know that because I bought my dad and sister tickets, and they were outrageously expensive. <laughs> um, so, uh, well, yeah, I, then, I, I, I think the timing couldn't be better in terms of if you want a super motivated Nick Richards. I don't know what else could get him fired up. Well, and coming off that Auburn game, um, which I, the Auburn game was kind of bad. Like Texas A&M, Florida, I don't know if he was bad. He just wasn't as productive as he had been. But coming off that Auburn game where he had – seven points, seven rebounds. He turned around and faced the challenge with Reggie Perry coming yeah. into town, coming to Rupp Arena, talk as SEC Player of the Year. And all Nick did was put up 27 points, go 7 of 10 from the field, and 13 of 15 at the free throw line with 11 rebounds. Yeah. and That uh, was the game I think everybody started going, is he an All-American? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah. So that bodes well to, yeah. to bounce back with a performance like that. And now to remember the Auburn game coming off a couple games where he goes, uh, you know, nine points, four points, and he's just not as involved in the offense as he had been. Yeah, I, I, and he, has, he hasn't really put together three bad games in a row yet. So the, the, math, the math is on his side here, on Kentucky's side. It is interesting, too, that, you know, you, you've mentioned a couple times now that um, – Bruce Pearl made it, like, so plain after the first meeting. Like, the whole mm-hmm. goal is take away those two guys, Ashton uh, Ashton and Nick. But, by the way, back then, Emmanuel quickly wasn't a total human blowtorch. Uh, <laughs> so if that's the play, and this time, does that burn you? And I guess it did sort of burn him a little bit. Uh, Emmanuel quickly kept Kentucky in that game with 23 points at Auburn. Um Six of 13, two of four, nine of 10 at the free throw line. That was the beginning of, I forgot, that was the beginning of Emmanuel quickly uh, showing us all that he learned how to draw fouls. The uh, throw the, oh, yeah. Throw the hands up and uh, shooting the three. I think he got three, three shot free throws in that game. Um, but, and he fouled out. I, I remember almost nothing about that game, to be honest with you, other than what, the stuff we've discussed. But, um, oh, it was just I, what I remember about the game. Well, all is the free was, throws, yeah. Yeah, it was a magic trick by Auburn, which they're still pulling off. They rebound the ball well. They don't shoot it well at all. They don't they shoot the ball well. They get fouled a ton. They don't play defense very well. I mean, they, they get some turnovers, but they're not good at uh, keeping teams from, from shooting the ball well. They don't <laughs> shoot it well themselves. They don't shoot it well from three. They don't this, stop teams from shooting it well from three. This they're is the really, only stat you need to know about Auburn. Uh, it's one of my favorite stats on Ken Palm. It's FTA over FGA, free throw attempts per field goal attempt over field goal attempts, which is basically how many are you? How many shoot f- free throws are you shooting compared to field goals? And they are second in the country mm. in that. Um, when you divide their free throw attempts by their field goal attempts, it's forty four point nine percent. So they're they're shooting just an, a monstrous. Uh, amount of free throws um, and they're not even good at shooting free throws they're 290th in the country in free throw percentage they just if, they were, if they were really good at shooting free throws they'd be killing people 
Uh, they only shoot 67%. Um, but they get uh, they get 23.3% of their points from free throws, which is 14th in the country. Yeah. And Kentucky's up there too, though, right? Their Kentucky is. Yeah, points. I mean, that, well, and that, I think that's what drove Cal crazy is like he got fed his own medicine uh, <laughs> in that game. He's like, well, we know nobody ever shoots more free throws than us. And they shot, right. what, 40? And Kentucky had 20? I mean, it was like double. Yeah, like 44 um, to 20 something. Yeah. Oh, bad. my goodness. Also, by the way, Kentucky is now number three in the country in field goal percent. I'm sorry, free throw percentage. Wow. Uh, I didn't realize they had climbed that high. I mean, they could legitimately lead the nation in free throw percentage. Um, in terms of percentage, yes, Kentucky's much higher even than, not much, but higher than Auburn. Like they get five. Uh, Auburn gets 24. Point, I'm sorry, Kentucky gets 24.3% of its points from the free throw line, which ranks fifth in the country. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, these are two teams that get almost a quarter of their offense at, at the free throw line, which does not make, when they play each other, that does not make for beautiful basketball. <laughs> no, it does not. I just, I just do not. Oh, I can't imagine. I just hope we don't have 68 free throws uh, in this game on Saturday. Let's just, let's just. Hope yeah, it's it kind of stinks too, because like Auburn, like often will get out and just play, you know, or at least last season, I guess. I, I shouldn't assign that to them this season as much, but like the way that team played last year is like get out and run and play and shoot and, you know, it was fun. Yeah. Um, I don't think we're going to see that this year. And Isaac Okoro did come back for them against. Um, yeah, that's uh, a big deal. This week, could they play Ole Miss or I, yes, I can't. Think yeah, whoever they played, he he was back in. Uh, he was just fine, so he'll be back for this game uh, just in time for Kentucky. Uh, last last thing for all the all the bracket watchers, uh, bracket wag Shelby Mast, who has his own site, bracket wag, and does uh, USA Today, has moved Kentucky onto the three line. There you go. Uh, they're the last three seed. And Auburn is the second-to-last four-seed in his bracket. Well, there should be some movement then after I mean, this I mean, if Kentucky wins this game, they're a three-seed, like, locked in. Um, not locked in permanently, but, I mean, that they're, they're not, like, wishy-washy three-seed. I would say that puts Kentucky as a solid three. Um, and then you go, okay, run the table, and can you get a two? I don't know if they can or not, but... Um, it would be a lot of momentum going into that uh, that selection Saturday, is because they they pick it on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Which is, by the way, why we're we're not going to see uh, Ashton Higgins get a, a single breath of a break. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he <laughs> no knows. Matter, no matter what anybody wants wants in his camp wants. All right, well, that's going to do it for us. Three forty-five p.m. on CBS, Kentucky and Auburn. Uh, Looking forward to it. And, of course, we'll talk to you Monday and discuss uh, whatever comes of that game. Until then, have a great weekend. Follow us on Twitter. I am at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R. And Kyle is at? Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. And read his story on Ashton Higgins, which is out now, correct? Should be, yep. All right. And tune in Sunday night at 1030 to Fox 56 for Out of Bounds with Maria Montgomery, Alex Walker, and me. We will go in-depth on the UK-Auburn game. I mean, we spend the first two segments of the show on it, and then we take you around the SEC and wrap up the weekend in the Southeastern Conference and uh, a little bit around college basketball as well. So, All right, now that we've got our plugs in, good night. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for listening. You are locked on Kentucky. 
Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts locked on. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. <laughs>